Welcome in. I'm so glad you made us part of your day. I'm Tony Moore, expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I interview the best heads in business to bring you all the important trends shaping the $6 trillion food and beverage industry. My totally awesome brands featured here take us deep into the world of sustainability and the plant-based food movement, the up-and-coming CBD and good-for-you categories. How about the purpose and mission-based companies striving to make real change in our world? They're here too. The latest in food tech. You want to learn how to build a brand, maybe scale a brand? I've got you covered. Don't forget to subscribe and follow me on LinkedIn. Stay tuned. Welcome to Winning at Work. I am Tony Moore. I'm your host. And I wish I had more podcasts like this. And I hope in 2022, I can do just that. The, the role of food incubators and accelerators, very important in the ecosystem of a fledgling food brand. Now, the, the situation we have today, we actually are going to have it an accelerator and one of their great success stories. Join us today. I'm very excited to introduce to you two companies. We have Elena Rosenblum and we have Sammy Cabrosley. I know I just butchered your last name, Sammy. Forgive me. We'll get to that in a minute. Elena, she's the vice president at Union Kitchen. Okay, in her role, she works very closely with food and beverage entrepreneurs. She helps them build successful businesses. So she refines their concept, helps them raise investment. She's advised over 100 packaged good companies on how they should create products that are really focused on the, the market demand. We see a lot with sustainability. We see a lot with plant-based. So she works with a lot of companies like that. And then, of course, the big question is, how do you scale? Okay. She sits on numerous food and be- beverage brands, and that's what really has led us to our conversation today with Sammy. Sammy Cabrosley is the founder and creator of Snacklands. And I I imagine there's a lot of guys out there that get into bets, right? And this is what really, I think, started this this great company, what started off as a bar bet for a Muslim, (laughs) right? For a Muslim American to make a vegan pork rind. I mean, that's – just think about that for a second. That's hysterical. Um, Has evolved into this really, you know, delicious, crunchy, healthy – but salty and kind of low calorie snack. I'm kind of interested to see how he's done this. And um, in his past life, Samuel was a co-host of the DC radio morning show. So um, he's probably going to steal the show when he takes over is, is my take. Um, and he now kind of works in his uh, business that they call the snackery, which is, I love that as well. Uh, well, guys, thank you both of you for, for being here today on winning at work. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, this is a first. I was I was telling I was telling you both. It's, it's this is the first to have you know in an accelerator with one of their great success stories here. So, Atlanta, let's just start with you. Give us an overview of of the mission and the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish there at Union Kitchen, where you're located, and just kind of all the great things that are happening at, at Union Kitchen right now. Absolutely. So we are located in Washington D.C. And we're a food business accelerator. So what that means is we work with businesses. Um, not all start as a bet, but um, <laughs> when they're, you know, in those early stages and they're trying to figure out how do I go from this idea, you know, something I've been making for a while, 
and turn it into something that's market ready. So let's get you your nutrition facts and barcodes and make it really something that retailers will feel comfortable and confident to put in front of their customers. Um, and so, you know, one of the great things about Union Kitchen is we also have those stores and a distribution as well as a kitchen. So brands that work with us are able to come in, they're able to learn how to manufacture their product in our kitchen. They're then able to learn how distribution works and get some of those early sales accounts and then, you know, actually sell it in our stores and see what works and what doesn't work. I bet that was super helpful, Sammy, when you're just getting started to have, you know, access to all those retailer or their their retail storefronts just so you could almost in some ways do some testing too, right? Just to make sure that you're you're on the right track. I mean, I think that's kind of where a lot of people hit their snag is they uh it's easy to make something in your house that tastes good, right? And so everyone has an aunt that makes the best cookies in the world. But the reason that you can't buy your aunt's cookies at the grocery store is because there's so many other steps in place that you never think about. And that's really where Union Kitchen first opened our eyes, especially, uh, you know, the size that we were at at that time. Yeah, I could imagine just you've got, you know, people that listen to this, they're, they're experimenting in their kitchen. You've got food scientists. Everyone wants to you know, create something better. And let's face it, there's a lot of issues out there that people are also focused on. We talked about it at the top, you know, with whether it be sustainability or they're trying to do more with plant-based and they, they want to bring this new concept to life. But I mean, getting into retail, um, I mean, even outside of your store fronts, right? Getting into retail is, it can be brutal. Absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Do you want to take this one, Sammy? I was going to say it's the chicken or the egg. You know what exactly. I mean? All these all these retailers want to see that you have awesome data and that you have all these great sales and all these other and this great turn rate, you know, which means that you're like, how much are you actually selling per week, per item, per store? Right. Yeah. Velocity. They want to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. They want to see that turn rate. But how are you going to show them the turn rate if you're not even in the store yet? You know what I mean? And so with someone like Union Kitchen, it gave us the most important thing that you need to truly grow as a brand. And that's data. You know what I mean? And that data, you can now go to any store around you and say, look at, at a similar store in a similar neighborhood, in a similar size city, in a similar you know area, we're selling this much per week of every single SKU. Look at the data. And I mean, that's 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 why that data is so important. That's especially why those stores are so valuable to a small brand like ours. Yeah. And category managers are getting more and more sophisticated and you do need that data so you can look at the category the subcategories to see where you're performing and frankly, maybe even outperforming some other, you know, brands in the store that the category manager maybe is missing. Right. And they see an opportunity to, to bring more people in, to get those baskets full. I think it's great that, that you guys are doing that at union kitchen. Um, how many brands are you, are you typically working with at, at one time, Elena? Yeah, that's a great question. So we're a little bit unusual in that we don't have a program with a graduation. We really um, work with brands when they're really small all the way through where Sammy's at now. Um, and so we do quarterly cohorts where we work with 10 new brands each quarter. And then in addition to that, we have, you know, the brands that have gone through that initial first phase and we're still working with in different capacities. 
That's great. I love that there's not a graduation date, so they can continue to use that kitchen. They can continue to use the retail storefronts when they're going through innovation, right, to keep getting that new data. That's that's awesome. Uh, Sammy, I know when food brands are, like you were saying, you've got these great grandma's cookies, but why are they not, you know, in the stores? I think that's where you could really provide the listeners and the audience so much insight, you know, how did you do it? Okay. How did you build your brand? I know you did it in, in conjunction with Union Kitchen, but your story is unique. Um, not everyone can get to where you've gotten. So tell us, what's the what's the secret? How did you build this? I think you inadvertently said the secret in your question, man, being unique. <laughs> um, like 100%. And I think that Look, if you're in your town, okay, I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa originally, so I'm going to make a joke about Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Don't hate on me, Island, right? <laughs> but if you're in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, right, and you're making these cookies, for example, right, you think all your friends in Cedar Rapids, they don't know. They don't know any better, right? And they go, wow, this is the you're the only people making cookies with sesame seeds in them, let's say. Like, that's amazing. But I guarantee you that buyer of that high V, right, that grocery chain in Iowa has had three dozen versions of cookies with sesame seeds in it. You know what I mean? And so being unique and actually being open enough, like having to have that foresight and having to like look at yourself and not and put that ego aside and saying, okay, there's a bunch of other people just like us. So what is our actual market proposition? You know what I mean? When Snackland started off, we were a vegan pork rind. That was funny. We were the first ever <laughs> vegan pork rind, and that was our market proposition, right? Right. But as right. but as the plant-based and all these plant, you know, these meat alternatives started coming out, you realized. Well, those have protein, those have added things in them that are making it closer to meat on a health and nutritional value stance than what a snacklin is, right? And so we had to push our ego to the side and say, well, if we're going to get in these grocery stores, what can we offer? What we offered is we offered a snack chip that was crunchy. It was delicious, just like everyone else is saying, but ours was 90 calories for the whole bag. And it used fresh input ingredients where everyone else is using dried, right? And so that was our proposition. You know what I mean? Where, yes, I could make it one way, but I knew that we had to make ourselves unique in a sense. And I think a lot of people just say, well, mine tastes better. That's not the truth. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a bunch of crap products out there that make millions of dollars a year. Yep. You know, they don't taste that good. So <laughs> tasted is like, yes, a consumer will tell you that taste is their number one thing, but you know, being unique. And I think that really getting outside that ego and trying to be as unique as possible. You know what I mean? Like be that Muslim who starts a vegan pork ride and not as a joke, but as a serious career, like that's unique. And I think that is kind of what that's been Snacklin's, you know, secret to success. Well, so how did you stumble on the yucca? Because I was doing some research and probably anyone who hears this, they think, oh, yucca. And then they go, oh, that's that, uh, you know, that, that desert plant. Mm -hmm. Like, no. It's not that, you know, it's the it's not yucca, that's yucca, which looks like that gourd that you find like in, you know, the Southwest United States. Right. And there's yucca, which is like a tuber, which is like a potato almost, you know, but it's from South America, usually like Brazil, uh, Venezuela, Colombia, uh, and even Southeast Asia. So we get a lot from Thailand, um, especially throughout this time of year. Uh, and honestly, what it came down to is the fact that I take bar bets very seriously, you know? And so when my friends bet me to make a vegan pork rind, I wasn't just going to give up after my first four or five failures. Like I spent six months working on this bar bet just because I took it so seriously, which I don't know, maybe I should have had a girlfriend or something at the time, <laughs> but like I didn't. And so here I am now, but 
I took it seriously. And I literally went to the store and I went to every single store I could find, you know, the Mercaditos. I went to like the African stores. I went to the Asian stores, anything I could find. And I would just buy any sort of form of like a starch, right? So I used like bananas. I used wheat. I used corn. I used everything you could imagine out there that they, they can somehow dry and grind up. That looks like a powder. I did it. Potatoes, sweet potatoes. And then finally one day, like the Yuko worked. And I was like, oh my gosh. But the problem with that really was that I was buying these little tiny bags of yuca herina from the Mercadito. And so what I had to do was I finally just had to drive up to New York. I literally looked at some address in Jamaica, Queens. And I drove to New York and I stood outside this address until someone walked out. And I was like, hey, <laughs> I want to buy a lot of this. And then they just looked at me flustered, walked inside, came out. And some lady was like, I'm the owner. What do you want? And I was like, I want like 500 pounds. And she's like, now? And I was like, yeah, can I take it? And that's kind of, you know, that's, and that's where like my love with Yuka came. <laughs> well, what is your background that gave you the confidence to make this? I mean, it's a bar bet. I mean, how did you even think you could pull it together? I mean, this is, it's kind of fascinating. So as you mentioned earlier, I, uh, in my, in my early twenties, I, uh, I worked in radio and I did a morning show. Right. And so when you have that morning schedule, you're off all afternoon, all night. Right. And so I end up bonding with a lot of people with that same schedule who happen to be like overnight bakers and chefs. Right. And that's the only kind of reason that I end up even working in kitchens was because I was bored. They were hanging out and I was like, well, yeah, I'll come help you out in your restaurant. I got nothing to do during the day. I'm done with work. And I started just working in these restaurants. And over the course of 12 years, you know, I stodged uh, and I stodged at Michelin star restaurants. I worked at Michelin star restaurants. I worked at dive bars. I mean, everything in between. Right. And I just kind of got this reputation that I never really worked full time, but I always had a part time gig working back a house at some restaurant in the DC area, pretty much my entire career in radio. Elena, I, I don't know if, if all of your brands come off this way, but you know, Sammy seems to have a, an extra drive an extra gear mm-hmm. is, do you find that is a kind of a prerequisite with a lot of your brands that make it? I, I do. I, you know, as Sammy has mentioned, a lot of people have ideas. And one of the biggest differences we see for the people who make it from this idea, this hobby to where Sammy is, is that dedication and executing on the basics. Sammy spent so much time as he just shared figuring out how do I make this? How do I become, you know, um, intimately knowledgeable about the recipe, about the manufacturing, willing to drive up to the Bronx? And I do think that's a huge component to Sammy's success and the success of entrepreneurs in general. Sammy, how early on in this process did you discover Union Kitchen and Elena? Because they've got the kitchen in there. So I'm kind of curious, where did you kind of pick up and where does your story start with Union? Uh, yeah, honestly, I, we were still pretty much a bar bet that was getting us free beer. Right. So initially this bar bet, like we had a buddy of ours that ran this brewery that was like, yo, if you guys give out these vegan pork rinds at my holiday event, I'll give you guys free beer. And we're like, cool. Right. (laughs) And then this like local market was like, Hey, if you put a if you, you put a nutrition facts panel on that and sell it in the store, you get 20% off at groceries at the store. And I was like, cool. You know? And that was when Union Kitchen approached us. And they go, you guys realize it's not like 
you guys are doing pretty good. Like you're doing really well, like you're growing the stores. And I think that if you could just really button down and turn this from a side hobby and actually take this seriously, like you guys could have something there. And I think that's where Union Kitchen stepped in. I mean, we've been working with Union Kitchen now for a half a decade, right? And we're only six years old. So you got to think that within that year, we realized like, okay, this is the step that we need to take. And I mean, I was with, you know, I, I hang out with Elena. I hang out, I was with the CEO Cullen last night. So, you know, we still stay really intimately involved, you know, helping each other out any way we can. What what other, other than kitchen and retail and getting them into distribution, what else do you find that these brands need, Elena? Are they looking for funding? Are they looking for, you know, packaging ideas? I mean, what else do you find that they need? I think it's all the above. As Sammy will talk about, entrepreneurship is lonely, I think, often. So having this really great community of people who are going through a lot of those same challenges where you can bounce off different ideas, you can take lessons learned together. Um, So, you know, it's yes, there's these specific kind of pain points like access to capital. But beyond that, it's really just collecting how can we build a path together that makes it easier for each of us as we advance in this process. And also, Lena, I'm going to add one more thing to that. Uh, It's the community that Union Kitchen brings, Mm -hmm. right? When you're by yourself and you feel like the world is ending, you don't know how you're going to get the next week done. You don't know how you're going to make all these deliveries. And you look at the person next to you and their life is just as crappy as yours. You go, (laughs) ah, all right, good. I'm not alone here, man. And like, it's that sense of community. Like, when I was in like the the shit, right? Like you're deep down. You don't think anything could be any worse. You look over and that person next to you is having the same problems. And then the week later, a one week later, you look at each other and everything's good again. You go, okay, cool. Like we're there. And that sense of community and that support that that community gives you is really what you need as an entrepreneur because funding, distribution, all that. Yeah, but people forget about the mental side. You know, being an entrepreneur is mentally tough. You know, and that community around you really helps with that. So you said you saw the person next to you. So describe that. Is it you're in the kitchen, you're at, you know what, an event? How do you have this kind of close interaction with with the other entrepreneurs? I'm talking when we first started, before we built our own facility, back when we were using rented tables at Union Kitchen, right, to make Mm -hmm. our product. And we're trying to make as many snacks as we can with a little bar fryer and, you know, a little pasta Mm -hmm. rolling machine. I looked next to me and there was an entrepreneur who was making pizza for Whole Foods that was dealing with, you know, all the craziness they were dealing there. You look across and there's someone who's making candy because their goal is to open up their own candy shop in DC in a couple of years, but they got to raise some money now and they got to save up and sell their candy to farmer's markets now. Like you're literally, when I said looking at like 20 feet away from fellow entrepreneurs when you're in that kitchen, you know? And Sammy does a great job staying in touch with everyone, um, which we obviously all really appreciate. But I I also think it's probably exciting, Sammy, after you've gone through all of this, to be able to pass on a lot of those lessons and heartache. Mm -hmm. No, I know all the heartache. Trust me. I can tell you all about the heartache. (laughs) I mean, like, like, I ask you this, like, okay, if you want to start up a cookie company today, do you even know where to buy bulk chocolate chips? Like, do you even know where to find that packaging that you have to put your cookie in before it even goes into the cardboard box? Like, people don't, like, I don't know even how to Google that, right? But that was something that I spent hours Googling. I spent years meeting people, collecting their information. 
that when someone hits me up from Union Kitchen, they go, hey, do you know? I was like, oh, my God, I know 12 box guys. I know 25 roll stock people to make you bags. You want chocolate chips? Do you want them non-GMO or do you want them organic? Because I got two guys for that. I know these, you know, like you meet these people and it's hilarious how small the food industry is. Like it is so small that once you kind of get into that, into that niche, you know, and you get to that nook, I consider it my honor and like in my, in my, in my, in my job, you know, to help and to connect as many small entrepreneurs as I can with something as easy as a supplier. Like I don't need to get anything from that, you know? Pay it forward, good karma, whatever. It's just being a helpful person. I mean, the you, you went through it. You know how hard it is. You did something else, though, that was really unique. And I know a lot of people have seen Shark Tank. Uh, some of us still watch it, you know, myself included. I love to see the uh, horrible ideas that get taken up behind the barn and shot. <laughs> you were actually on Shark Tank in 2019. Can you just tell the audience a little bit about how that even started and just what that was like? Yeah, um, I will say that when we first started, we did exactly like what you see on TV, where we went out there, we drove to Philadelphia, we stood outside like some stadium or something in Philadelphia. It was so long ago, I don't remember where it was, right? And we went in there and we did a blank audition in front of, you know, one of the producers. Uh, we did not get in that time, but we had sent in videos and stuff. A couple years later, we actually had made it on a couple trend reports uh, for food in the United States. Um, in particular, the Whole Foods Trend Report, I believe is what they mentioned. Uh, and that's when we got a call back saying, hey, we know you guys applied in the past. We don't know if you guys are still you know, interested in applying again, but we think that you should apply again. And so we went through the whole process again. And I mean, it's it's months. I mean, that pitch that you see them do on TV in like a minute and a half, they've practiced that pitch for like three months. So if you watch my pitch and you see that I screwed up, it makes it even that much more embarrassing knowing <laughs> that I practiced that pitch for three months and I still screwed up somehow. You know what I mean? But like, it was great. Like it was honestly one of the coolest experiences ever. Like when do you get a chance to be in a room and to just walk in there and to see some of America's most well-known investors, you know what I mean? And to be able to sit there and to tell them our product, even if I didn't walk away with my deal with Mark Cuban, which awesome, you know, hello, Mark Cuban, that's awesome. But even if we didn't walk away with that, like just the experience alone was was amazing. And the fact that you get to be in L.A. for like a week. So I ate so many tacos during that week that it was fantastic as well. So, I would have been a nervous wreck. Wreck. I just would have I, I my stomach would have been in knots. My palms would have been sweating. How did you get through? I guess you of course you had months to prepare. But that moment when you walk through the door and they're all there. Dude, I literally. Like I said, I worked in radio before this. I felt like I was more adapted to this. I practiced so much. I did really well. Even the producers like you're doing well. But there is something about the lights. When you walk in there and you walk through these doors and Mr. Wonderful's head is just like glaring. You know what I mean? And like Barbara Corcoran's just staring right at you. Like, dude, you do. You pee right. yourself a little bit. And it's impossible not That's, to. Like you cannot You not cannot not do that. Little. Yeah. And so like you did that. And like you'll see like, I genuinely froze. I genuinely messed up because it's <laughs> such an intense, like it's such an intense feeling. And it's actually funny because people go, well, come on, give me more details. Like, what do you remember? What do you remember? And I like straight up blacked out. I know right? exactly and I what you mean. I was the only one that blacked out, but I talked to a bunch of other Mark Cuban brands and we all share a similar story. They go, oh yeah, no, I only remember my pitch because I watched it on TV afterwards. I blacked out. Like, 
for months until it aired, people were like, well, what'd you do? How would you say it? I was like, dude, I have no idea, man. I have Isn't no idea. Isn't that strange? You're in there. Like you're just in there in the moment. You're trying to make it happen. You know, like Mark Cuban is there. They have a guest shark who is probably someone who's in your industry that you've looked up to for years. You know what I mean? Like, and just all this intimidation, all this, like, ah, all these sharks just looking at you. I mean, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was great, but I'm glad I survived it. And I'm not going to lie, it's pretty sweet to get emails from Mark Cuban nowadays. <laughs> I would say so. And I, I know, yeah, I, I know there's an update out there. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to find the, the episode and find the follow up episode and we'll tag it. So everyone that's listening right now, look in the show notes. I hope we can figure it out and, and have everyone kind of watch that and see that. Now, um, let's get back to your brand because obviously going on a show like that, obviously, whether you get a deal or not, everyone kind of gets their website blows up. And um, so what were your big takeaways after having that many people kind of destroy your website? Um, honestly, it was uh, it was kind of our first experience in realizing, oh, crap, now we're playing with the big boys. You know, I think that when you're a small local or even a regional brand, you know, customers kind of let you get away with things because they know you're small and local. So they go, oh, it's okay. It's late. Don't worry about it. We know you're working hard over there. Once you air on Shark Tank, I mean, that's when we started to get like hate letters. That's when you start getting, you know, that's when you become like a major brand and people get pissed at you if something is delayed. And you're like, but I don't think you understand. We're making this in a little factory in the suburbs of DC. That's how we're delayed. They don't care. You were on Shark Tank. Like you're a big boy now. And I think that that really helped us get into that mentality that we truly needed in the years coming since then to know like, hey, there is no excuses, man, because if you're at a grocery store and you tell that grocery store, oh, I'm sorry, I won't have the product until January. And they go, well, we're filling up the shelves in November. They're just going to put another product in there and you're SOL, you know, and so that Shark Tank, I mean, yeah, you we sold a lot. We got a lot of emails, you know, we still we have a lot of customer acquisition from that. But if anything, like it really helped us gear up and become more on par with the bigger people out there and the bigger companies. So what would you say that your biggest challenges are now? You know, I, I kind of cringe to say post COVID, but you know what I mean? I mean, things are seem to be opening back up for the most part. So what's the, the big push, the big challenge now? Here we are in, in, in 2022. I assume Elena's challenges are probably a lot worse <laughs> than ours. Uh, we were... <laughs> Knock on wood, we sold snacks, right? And so we were pretty lucky. I mean, like, I will say, like, this goes out to our team. Like, shout out to our team, all of our production people. Like, they all took care of themselves. You know, we had no crazy illnesses. We didn't have to get rid of a bunch of people. So we were truly blessed during this period. Uh, and I think that what it did and kind of moving forward into the next year was it made us realize how lucky we were and how much we need to focus on that consistency. You know what I mean? If these customers were going to be consistently coming and supporting our brand during that tough of a two-year span, then the least that we could do is give them that same great consistency that they gave to us. You know, whether it's product, whether it's new flavors, whether it's new sizes, innovations, like anything they want. And I think that's really what, you know, we gathered from it, you know, coming from, you know, a, a, a truly blessed uh what about you guys at, at Union? Yeah, you know, um, I would say the challenges look differently in different parts of our company. So with the stores, you're seeing a lot of out of stocks, you know, supply chain, little things like coffee lids. 
are out um, or X, Y, and Z. But on the flip side of it, because there's been all the supply chain issues, it's given an opportunity for local products to step up and say, hey, you know, we're manufacturing this here. So you can get it. You don't have to worry and wait for it to come in from China or Mexico. We've got you. So it, you know, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. We felt supply chain crunch for sure in our operations. And it also gave opportunities for our brands here to really step up and fill that market gap. You don't have to wait for something to come in from China when you're making it here. And it is an opportunity for that for that person to say, hey, it's organic, it's made in America. And, you know, there are swings in consumer temperament. And right now, mm-hmm. it is definitely swinging back toward made in America because we've all seen the problems of trying to bring things overseas. Um, Elena, is there anything that you would like to give, you know, advice to anyone or any, you know, kind of comments to Sammy? You guys have worked together for so many years. I'd love to, to kind of hear your, your take on this. Yeah, I want to kind of echo something we talked about earlier with this idea of putting yourself out there and becoming the expert. I think a lot of times we limit ourselves in what we think we're capable of and not capable of. And it's that fear that prevents us from executing and growing. So if I were to give one piece of advice, it would be don't be afraid. It's going to be really uncomfortable And there's going to be a lot of stuff. You have no idea even where to start, like Sammy talked about. Just start. Just take that first step. Maybe it's Google. Maybe it's asking a friend. It's just not being afraid to not know the answer. Isn't that that true, though, Sammy? The fear is what prevents people from taking action. Yet your action really started from a, a bet with your friends and so you had this like extra motivation to just dive in and do something that was totally crazy. And maybe that kind of helped you over the hump. Yeah. But I think the fear is true though. I mean, there came a point when all of a sudden I had, you know, three people working alongside me making snacklings that the fear of failure, the fear of trying to tell them like, Hey guys, you can't work with us anymore. Like that fear is honestly what helped me, <laughs> get through some of those really, really tough times. You know, I think I blindly came into it with a bet, which is probably why I got through most of those first humps because I was just too stupid and ignorant (laughs) to know the difference, right? But then as I started to realize like, oh my gosh, guys, we're building something. Like now I tell you what, and people may think there's there's probably a therapist out there that's just like breaking a glass when I say (laughs) this, but I wake up every day and that fear of like letting my team down, of me shutting down this factory, of me telling 30 people like, hey, you no longer can take care of your family, you know, because of snacklings. Like that fear is what drives me every day. And that fear is what kind of makes me, this is like, I guess if you want my opinion too, it's like, I like to say execution over ego. Right. And that fear of failure is why I'm always trying to put my execution over ego. So yeah, there's some opportunities. Oh, there's this big event that I can give out snacks to. Is that for your ego or is that for execution? Because I'll tell you what, when you're trying to execute, Get in, get in a grocery store, give out a free sample. It, you may seem like demeaned because someone's going to be like, ew, these are gross. Ah, these are horrible, right? But the people that say they like it, that's how you get it. And that execution is going to go a lot further than your ego will ever go. Yeah, I hope all your your future brands get a chance to listen to this because 
I'm just trying to process that right now, you know, execution over ego. I'm trying to process, you know, what that means. So you're thinking that maybe you want to go do something, but really it's not advancing the brand. Yeah. I mean, is that if you like, I always give the example of like, there's this big relay that's being sponsored by famous athletes, right? And you go give out snacks there and you give out $20,000 worth of snacks there. Is that really the execution that you want to do? Or did that just make you feel good? Did that look good on your Instagram? Did that look good on your social media? Did it make you and people's eyes look like you're a successful business? Or were you truly being a successful business? You know what I mean? And I think like the best entrepreneurs out there, they're the ones that are at a Costco every week giving out samples. You know, they're the ones at the Whole Foods giving out free samples, like, you know, talking with the people like I'm in the factory. You know what I mean? Like get that ex- get that execution up front because once I get done with this interview, I'm literally going to go on the line. I'm going to fix a machine. You know what I mean? So put the ego behind you. Just start to execute. Like what do we need to accomplish to make a better product? Well, I got to fix this machine hands down. You know what I mean? I have to be at the store giving out a demo hands down. And I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's great to call yourself an entrepreneur because people love to write that in their Instagram profile. But being an entrepreneur is much harder than just writing in your Instagram profile. And that's what takes the execution. Is that something you guys kind of instill in people, Elena, when they come in? Do you have this sort of a sort of talk with them? Because I think he's he's come full circle, you know, and facing reality straight in the face. Absolutely. And one of our core values at Union Kitchen is make things people want. And it sounds simple, but as Sammy has mentioned, there can be so much ego that gets in the way of that. Maybe, you know, your ego is preventing you from demoing and asking, genuinely asking, is this a product people want? Is this a product they like? And so it really is, you know, it's pushing to execute. It's pushing to own manufacturing. It's pushing to not be afraid to get in the weeds and get your hands dirty. I mean, on Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful told me my product tasted like paper. (laughs) Right. If I let my ego get in the way, I would have just been screw you. It's great. But instead, afterwards, I actually reached out. I was like, hey, man, give me some pointers. What do you think should be this? And he actually gave me pointers on why he thought it tasted, quote unquote, like paper. And I made the changes. I worked on that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, checking the the ego. Yeah, that um, I'm going to have to go back and watch that episode now, Sammy. I'm totally, totally intrigued in this. And I just want to thank you both for coming here to share the really the success of the incubator the accelerator and of course your story and in sammy you guys are obviously it's not done you're still going and you mentioned innovation and such so um as we wrap up tell me sammy how can people find the brand you know online or in the retail stores what's the best way yeah uh go to snacklens.com um from there you can look up see what stores around you we sell you know at a lot of the natural stores nationwide. So just kind of type in your zip code, see what sells around you near. If not, um, we always, uh, of course, we have an online store and Amazon and all mm-hmm. that good jazz. So we'll get you snaps. Don't worry. <laughs> and it, I think as your website says, you eat the whole bag. Eat the whole bag. That's that's what we do. Because no one eats 11 Pringles. I ate the whole thing. I ate the whole bag. The, well, you have to. I mean, and I think that's your, yeah. your, your pitch. Obviously, you, you can. Elena, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, what you're doing there, um, helping expand and, and kind of you know get these companies up and running. Are you guys planning on any other cities, or right now are y'all just uh, you you have enough to handle there? And uh... 
You know, we're actually really focused on DC. It is a core part of our mission. We want to help make this city um, really grow and in a way that's inclusive, where we can create jobs because there's a lot of local businesses growing. Well, that's great. Well, anyone in the uh, in that area, they know how to find you now. I just want to thank you both for myself and for the audience for this um, just a great look inside of, of what it takes to get a brand off the ground. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you.